so good to see you all here, and if you're watching online, we welcome you as well. What a great story that was. Isn't that rich? That is uh, the kind of church that we want to be. A church that uh, really cares for one another's needs here in this room, as well as a church that cares for needs of people in our community. And we can't do that for everyone, but we want to do it for as many as we possibly can. <laughs> And uh, whenever you give a grace offering, you got to know that 100% of that quarterly offering that we give, called grace offering, 100% of that goes to needs like Margaret's and to people here in our church and into the broader community. We want to be an internally strong church and also an externally strong church that makes a difference, that blesses the community that God has called us into. And so uh, grace offering is just one way that we seek to do that. My name's Adrian. Good to meet you. <laughs> uh, we are in this uh, series, The Daily Grind, and this is the sixth week of this series. Next week will be the final week. I feel like there's a lot more that I want to say. Um, we might pick up a podcast on that, but we'll wrap up the series next Sunday. Today is kind of a part two of a message on calling. Last week we started talking about this idea of calling, and today we want to finish that up as we seek to understand our shape, and uh, we'll unpack that together. But if you weren't here last week, you really do need to go back and listen to last week's message, not because it was particularly special, but because the content of it is a preamble to what we're talking about today. And uh, the, the essential idea in last week's message was this, who you work for is more important than what you do. Say that with me. Who you work for is more important than what you do. And who you work for is the king of kings. And working for him in whatever you do is more important than the specific assignment that he gives you. Our unconditional calling is this, that we talked about a bit last week, that God has invited us into fellowship with himself through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we say yes to that free invitation of God's grace, he then invites us, he calls us to obey him in everything. The word is follow. That he doesn't just call us to be uh, Christians who say, you're my savior, thank you for saving me from my sins, thank you that I can now go, go do whatever I want. No, it's not that. It's, you're my savior who forgave my sins, and because you did all of that, you're also, you're my Lord, just as you said you are, and so I will follow you in everything. It's the unconditional calling to follow God in the great commandment, the great commission, and all that God invites us to do. Um, more periphery to the calling is our assignment. Some of us are also called to certain relationships, a husband or a wife, to kids. Some of us are even called to singleness. That's more central even than our assignment. Our assignment is what we do eight or nine or ten hours a day as we reflect the king. As we are serving the king, that's the bigger thing, serving the king. That's the central thing, the most important thing. The peripheral thing outside of that is what we do with our jobs. Now even so, I will say that of course our jobs matter a lot. That's why we're doing this series. And we all know that. Anything that you're going to do for 80,000 hours over the course of your life matters a lot. And so I think it's wise for us to pause and to say, um, if it is possible for us to figure out the way that God has specifically made us and how that would apply to a specific kind of job or career, 
then we should probably do that. Now, uh, many people across the world can't do that. And no shame on them. Most people across history, most people across the world, even many people in this room, would never have the resources to be able to stop and ask, how was I specifically made, and how can I funnel that into the workplace? Most people just did what their parents did, and they do what's necessary to survive, and that's honorable. But for those of us who have the resources, the time, and the finance, that we would ask, how, God, did you make me? <laughs> how, God, did you make me? And how can I find the best fit for the way that you made me? That's okay to ask that. Now, what I'm not saying is it's okay to jump from job to job to job as you're not really providing for your family because that would be missing out on that secondary area of calling and instead focusing on the assignment. No, we, we focus on the calling before the assignment, work from the inside out. But if you're asking the question, how did God make me and where would I serve with that, that that's a good question. And uh, there's a number of different approaches, though, that we could take. Here, here's one approach on the screen, a uh, little Batman comic up here. My boss told me, dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. Now I'm sitting in a disciplinary meeting dressed as Batman. I feel like a paperclip pusher but I want to be Batman. <laughs> and so now I'm feeling like a dork. <laughs> okay, that's one way. You kind of wish your dream into existence and hopefully it happens. I'd like to share with you the, this morning another approach, if I could. And uh, this is a bit of my story of finding vocation. I was one of those college students that would give a mother ulcers. By the midpoint of my sophomore year, I had switched through four different majors. And finally, I arrived at sociology and psychology, to which you might ask, what do you do with that? To which I might say, you go back to school. And that aside, I'm really grateful I did major in those because they taught me to think broadly. And if you can think broadly, you can apply to so many different kinds of positions. Another topic for another day. Uh, <laughs> but I'm grateful for that, and yet at the same time, I did go back to school. I graduated well with my undergrad degree, and then uh, I quickly went back to school. And uh, I went to a speech-language pathology program at the University of Colorado Golden Buffaloes. <laughs> Don't hate me. I, I love the Huskers, too. I might be the only person in the whole state of Nebraska that loves both, but I do. Don't hate. <laughs> so I, I went to this school, and I majored in speech pathology, and I had this design to become a speech therapist focusing on stuttering because I'm a person who stutters and have across my life, and I've got some good speech therapy from a number of different sources, and my dad is a person who stutters, and my grandpa, and a couple uncles, and a couple cousins. And so this was a wonderful opportunity to use my, social, my sociology, psychology background and then get a degree that would help me to give back as I had been given so much from others in this regard. And that was a real blessing. I, I went and I finished that degree program and I got a job with the Center for Stuttering Therapy in Boulder and Denver and it was a great job. The only problem was after a year of being in that job, 
I felt like there was this big part of who God made me to be that just wasn't being used. And um, fundamentally, the thing that made a difference in my speech, as I've told you before, is I stopped caring what you all think about me. And lots of other people, too. And so once I didn't care so much about that, I realized, okay, my identity's in Christ, and so if I stutter, big deal. Someone laughs at me, big deal. Someone makes fun of me, as that's happened hundreds of times, big flippin' deal. Because I don't live before y'all. Okay, come on back. <laughs> Might be some anger still in there, I don't know. <laughs> But that was the big thing for me, to realize that I was free. And then also, I love theology, and I want to study more theology. And after I became a Christian, God gave me a spiritual gift called leadership. I didn't have that spiritual gift before becoming a Christian, but after becoming a Christian, I did have that gift, and I wanted to use it. I was compelled to use it. And I wasn't using it as a speech therapist, which is a wonderful, wonderful field. But I was a year in, and uh, those parts of me were not being utilized. And so um, I asked a pastor that I admired if I could do an internship under him as I was also doing speech therapy. And so I did that for a year, did both of those at the same time. At the end of that year, they asked me if I'd come on to that church and lead the community outreach efforts full-time. I said I could come on part-time, but not full-time. It's only two years since I finished the, this degree. So I did both uh, for the next year. And at the end of that year, only three years after finishing a master's degree in another field, I left that field entirely and moved on to vocational ministry, to which every reasonable person could only say, what a waste. Truly. And I would get that. Like, what a waste of time and energy and financial resources. But I trust God's providence in it all. And part of my journey was navigating through, with the help of this mentor, some of the material that I'm going to present to you today. It's not my own material. It comes from Saddleback Church in Southern California, and it's called Shaped. That's Rick Warren's church in Southern California. It's been really, really helpful to a number of people, and very much so to me during my time of career change. Maybe you're going through a career change today. Maybe you're asking, what, my, what would my career be? Maybe you're retired, and you're saying, what does the next chapter of my, my, my life look like? Maybe you're disabled right now, and you, you're not able to work the same way as you used to be able to work, but you, you want to contribute in a great way. This is great material for all of that. Maybe you're not serving in the church, and you say, I want to be able to serve in the church. This is great material for, for that as well, so follow along as we go. The first letter is an S, which stands for spiritual gifts. And the question under spiritual gifts is, what talents has God given you since you began following Christ? When you became a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit gave to you some spiritual gift that is used to be a blessing to other people. There are a number of passages in the New Testament and in the Old Testament that speak about spiritual gifts. We talked about one, Exodus 35 and 36, but also I'd like you to turn right now to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 in a very brief way this morning. You could look at them more later on today if you're curious about this subject. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can also look at 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. But um, Romans 12 says this. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, and then Romans. 
if you're trying to find that in your Bible. You can also see it on the screen. But Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. Don't hold back. Use it mightily. People need it. If it's giving, then give generously. Give lavishly. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then show mercy cheerfully. Again, that's not a comprehensive list, but there's a number of spiritual gifts there. There's more listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Turn over with me, and Paul gives even more detailed instruction about their use. 1 Corinthians 12, that's the very next book in your Bible after Romans, about 15 pages forward. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. Just like Romans said. Okay, the Holy Spirit gives each of these gifts by God's providence to you and me as he wishes. There are different kinds of service, different kinds of working, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, different abilities, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work who gives these abilities. Verse 7, you see up on the screen. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each of the different spiritual gifts that are given to you and me and each person who is a follower of Christ is given for the common good. Now many people don't know that they have a spiritual gift or they don't believe that God has given them a spiritual gift even though they're Christians. And I want to tell you that he has. If you're a follower of Christ today, God has given you a spiritual gift of some kind. And you may not yet have been able to unwrap it or discover it but you can over time, oftentimes with a friend's help. Much as a baby is born with the ability to smell, but she doesn't know that she's smelling, and then she unwraps it slowly over the course of time, so also when we are born again, God gives us some special spiritual gift that we get to utilize, and we unwrap it over the course of time. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality or administration, or generosity, or teaching, or working with your hands with arts and crafts, and you oftentimes discover that over time. Whatever the spiritual gift is, God has given us spiritual gifts that we would use them in this physical world, in our job, and in our areas of service for the benefit of others. Look once again at verse 7 up on the screen, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Why did God give us these spiritual gifts? Do you see it? Verse 7. For the common good. Okay, so in many churches, this is what you'll hear. I have the gift of prophecy. Aren't I special? I have the gift of teaching. Aren't I special? People may not actually say that, but they kind of show it. No, you're not that special. Okay? You have the gift of prophecy or the gift of teaching or the gift of hospitality or the gift of work with your hands, whatever it might be, because God's special. Because God chose to give it to you. In his providence and out of his love, he's given gifts 
We simply say thank you, and then we get on to using them. Now, if we don't use them, the church misses out. The community around us misses out on what we're able to bring to the table that other people are not able to bring to the table. So if you have some kind of spiritual gift and you're just saying, wow, doesn't this feel great? Well, other people are missing out. And if you're not operating in the spiritual gifts that God has given you, here's a warning. You might get spiritually fat, not spiritually fit. Because the only way you get spiritually fit is receiving what God has given you and then going to act upon what God has given you. None of us get spiritually fit just by taking in more and more sermons, taking in more and more Bible studies, taking in more and more life groups. That's a piece of the puzzle, but you get spiritually fit as you act on what God has given you. Okay, that's the first one, spiritual gifts. The second one is heart. What are the passions? What are the burdens that drive you? The passions, the burdens that God has given, that really drive you. What fires you up? What needs do you love to meet? What kinds of people do you love to serve? Elderly people, young people, disabled people, people on the margins. Who do you love to serve? What kinds of causes do you love to conquer? That you get excited about making a difference in? Do you know that doing your job right now, whatever it might be, if you choose to do it with excellence, will open up more doors for you to utilize your abilities in areas of passion as you do your job well right now. Do you realize that? People will see that you're a faithful worker. People will see that you do things well with excellence. And the result is you'll get more opportunities to utilize your passions, whatever they might be. Now, I know that there are some who say, I cannot do anything that doesn't fulfill my passions. Have you met one of those people? Sorry, it just doesn't work that way. Like every job, as I tell our staff on a regular basis, every job includes taking out the trash. That's part of all of our job descriptions. There are certain things on every job description that we don't like, but we have to do. And it's not all about your passions, and that's okay. But then there's other people who say your job is only about your duty. The things that you must do, just fulfill your duty. Don't even worry about passion or your burden or your heart. But to that, the Bible says things like, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't know about you, but that seems to include the workplace. That the desires of the heart might include the 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week that we put into work each and every week. Now what's critical is that you understand what it says first. Delight yourself where? In the Lord. It doesn't say delight yourself in your job. It doesn't say delight yourself in what you want to do. It says delight yourself. May your focus, may your first thing, living from the inside out, be the Lord. And as you, as you do that, slowly over time, God will, in his generosity, give you more of the desires of your heart. I believe that. And so you might say, I really long to fix things. I like fixing things. I like working with my hands. I think God will give you more of those opportunities as you delight yourself in him. I love working with kids. I think he'll give you more of those opportunities as you follow him, as you delight yourself in the Lord. Next up is abilities. What are the abilities? What are the natural talents that you were born with? 
I think it's fair to say that all things being equal, we'd be better off finding a vocation, a career, that utilizes some of our abilities. Would you agree? All things being equal, that would be good. And God has given you certain abilities upon birth that you were born with from the Lord that you were really good at as a kid and you've been able to develop over time. And as you focus not so much on what you're not good at, but on what you are good at, then you look for more and more opportunities to do that. Now there's, there's perhaps a line, I think there is a line between spiritual gifts and abilities, but that line is kind of fuzzy. And I wouldn't get too hung up in worrying about, is this a natural ability or is this a spiritual gift? You can ask those questions, you can do those inventories, but don't get too hung up on that because either way, whatever talents we have, are given to us by, by God. Okay, so either way, it's our job to steward whatever he has given to us. I think Paul is referring to this, again, in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, when he says there are different abilities to perform service. There are different kinds of working with different abilities to perform service. So what are you good at? Like, it, it might be that you're really good at helping people but you get squeamish at the sight of blood. Then don't become a nurse. That's okay. You'll find something else that allows you to help people. No problem at all. You try to find something that utilizes your abilities combined with your heart and your spiritual gifts. We have guys in this church who are really strong protectors, and they've received great training, and so they use their abilities each week as part of our security team to protect us on Sunday if anything bad were ever to happen in this place or in our other rooms. They use their abilities, combined with great training, to protect us. Amen? Praise be to God. We have other people in this church who are really great organizers, and they use their abilities to provide beautiful funerals with wonderful meals at this church for families that are grieving. They use their abilities as organizers, as managers, as administrators. Thanks be to God. Sparks fly when the flint of your passion collides with the steel of your talents. Find your passion, find your talents, put them together, and sparks will fly. You'll have something good to do far from there. Next, you look at your personality. What is the unique personality that God has given to you? Here's the truth. There are as many personalities in this room as there are people in this room. God actually likes diversity. A lot of people don't really like diversity. God actually likes diversity. That's why he's made us so very different so very unique in our personalities. And to learn, to go through a process of discovery, to learn this is the unique way that you have made me, this is the style that you have given me, and here's how this could apply to different careers or to ministries that you might give to me is a really, really wise thing to do. As I was processing my personality, as I was processing my personality and my spiritual gifts and going through that career change, 
I had this pastor, this mentor friend of, friend of mine, who took me through a number of different personality assessments and spiritual gift inventories, and all of that was really helpful. But the biggest thing, though, that he did for me was over the course of two years, he told me to pray about these three things. And we processed them together. He says, he's encouraged me, Adrian, pray, God give me wisdom about what I should do. God is the giver of wisdom, so God give me wisdom. Number two, pray, God, where am I most helpful for people? Is it in speech pathology or is it in formalized vocational ministry? Where am I most helpful? And number three, where is my specific personality finding the most joy in the way that you have made me? And accept that there's perhaps a number of different ways that it can happen, but as you pray over those over the course of time, perhaps you begin to figure out what your unique design is. That process took me two years, and I've never looked back. Finally is experience. What experiences have shaped your life to this point? And friends, whether it be vocational or educational or cultural or family or pleasurable or painful experiences, God does not waste your experiences. Whatever they might be for you, no matter how painful they might be for you, whatever failures you might have had, God uses all of our experiences if we submit them to him. We know that in all things, the Bible says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You can just insert the word experience there. In all experiences, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, just think with me as an example of the Apostle Paul. He had all these incredible experiences. He was a persecutor of Christians. Then he becomes a church planter and a lover of Christians. And he becomes the greatest apostle the world has ever known. Probably the second most influential person for Christianity in the history of the world just outside of Jesus. But first he hated Christians and he persecuted them even to the death. And he went through the loss of family. And he had some kind of personal malady. We don't know what it was. It could have been a disability of some kind. It could have been a speech impediment. It could have been some personality quirk that made him really, really weird to a lot of people. Don't know what it was. But he hated it about himself. He hated it. And so he begged the Lord repeatedly, would you please take this from me? And God said no. Perhaps to humble him. And perhaps because God wanted him to rely more on Jesus Christ in the midst of his painful experiences with this thing, whatever it is, and that he would turn to God and he would say, God, your grace is sufficient for me. Because God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is made perfect in your vulnerability. My power is made perfect in your failures. My power is made perfect in you. Do you believe this? This is part of God's specialty, is to take our areas of weakness or failure and to use them for his good if we allow him to do so. I talk to people all the time who say, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to let other people know about my areas of weakness or my past failures. 
I have noticed that those who are willing to allow God to utilize their past failures and weaknesses are more successful in ministry than those who hide them. I mean, those who get vulnerable, they level the playing field, and other people notice that they don't see themselves as up here and you down here, and the result is they're willing to share their stuff with you, and you're able to do more for the kingdom because you choose to be vulnerable with those areas of experiences that you really want to hide. God uses our experiences if we let him. Don't waste your good or bad experiences. I want to close here, though, this morning with a warning related to shape and then a concluding story. Here's the warning. If you um, treat your job as your identity, don't use shape. Because it will actually contribute more to the idolatry that you are getting from your job. And that's a serious problem. Your job is not your identity. Shape will only help you if Christ is your true identity. Your true identity and my true identity, if you're a follower of Christ today, if you've bent your knee to, to him, is that you're a beloved child of God and everything else is defined in light of that, including your job, including every other relationship. And if you tend to get your sense of self-worth and value far from what you do, then like, likely, if you go to shape, you will just use shape as another mechanism to get more and more of your sense of worth and value far from what you do. But as Christians, we don't get our sense of worth and value far from what we do. We get our sense of worth and value far from what Christ has done. That's the warning. This can be a compliment if you know what your true identity is in Christ. Now, I met with a man last week named Jason Levine, and he gave me the permission to share a bit of his story. And Jason's a remarkable man who grew up with, in his words, pliers in his hat and dirt in his hands. And he loved farming. That's all he ever wanted to do. And he was really a good farmer. He built up a very nice plot of land and a lot of livestock and machinery and a lot of material success. And things were going really, really well for him until they weren't. And slowly, gradually, and then quickly, he lost it all. And as he lost his farm and he was liquidating everything that he owned, depression set in and alcoholism took the place of the farm. In 2013, after doing many, many different kinds of odd jobs, losing the entire farm and realizing that he needed a restart of some kind, he made the bold decision to go back to school. And he decided to pursue a counseling degree. From farming to counseling. And he was already an empathetic person, and he cared a lot about people with the various struggles that they had gone through, but he realized that he didn't have the skill set, he didn't have the knowledge base to actually counsel people through challenges that they are experiencing. He could empathize, he could genuinely care, but if he was going to become a professional counselor and provide for his family though this way, he needed to develop something of a skill set. 
to partner with his ability to empathize and the painful experiences that, that he had gone through. And he told me this. God was doing his work through all of those experiences. I couldn't see it then, but now I see it. And now finally I see that my identity is not in farming or a worldly materialistic success or in anything that I do. My identity is in Jesus, and I am a tool for Jesus. I know what it's like to be hopeless, depressed, broke, and lost in addiction. I've learned God's timing doesn't always line up with my timing. His transition has taken him 12 years. But I've learned that hope is possible with God. And so over these past 12 years, he's gotten a lot of help from Alcoholics Anonymous and his men's forge group here at the church and his life group and a deep amount of study and an incredible amount of sacrifice by his wife of both time and financial resources to get to this point such that two, let's see, two months ago, Jason completed his counseling degree from UNK after seven years of study such that he now has a brand new skill set to partner with his experiences and his passions. And two weeks from today, he'll start a new job as a counselor at the Grand Island Veteran Affairs Office working with veterans. It took incredible sacrifice to get there. And it took an alignment of spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. Friends, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God knew just what he was doing well when he chose to make you. And he did a marvelous job. For some of us, it's going to take a process of discovery to figure out how that is worked out in our lives. For some of us, it might lead to a career change. Probably for more of us, it will lead to how can I use this to serve the church more effectively? How can I use this to serve this world more effectively? How can I use this to serve my family or serve my community more effectively? And as we figure out what our shape is and as we commit ourselves to living from the inside of our calling out, the truth is we will be more fulfilled in the way we serve each and every day to the honor of God and for the good of those around us. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want for you. So I pray for our church. That each of us will would be able to identify here's a unique way that God has formed me and here's a way that I can be used to be a blessing to others out of all that he has given. Pray with me this morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your indescribable gift of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you have loved us and you have formed us. You know us by name and you have done a great job. Praise you, God, for all the gifts, all the abilities, all the talents that are in this room. I know that there are many experiences that are hurting today. And I also know that there are people who long to serve you in a more meaningful way. And so, Father, if you've whispered anything to us, Father, help us to take note of that. 
Help us not to allow this hour to pass as just another talk at church, but to take note of what you are whispering to us even this morning, that we might begin to apply that a little bit more to this world that you have called us to bless. We love you, Father, and we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the credit as we utilize the gifts you have given us. In Jesus' name.